uh, I saw a BBM channel post yesterday, and it was like, remember the 5th of November. But I don't remember why I'm supposed to remember the 5th of November. So on the 6th, I guess we at least remembered to do upstream tonight, right, guys? <laughs> How y'all doing? Pretty good. Good, good as yeah. always. I don't know why they said it was November 5th, but I think yeah. November 6th is actually the day that the priv released. Yep. So the my, priv is now a year old. My one-year warranty just died today. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's uh, pretty powerful stuff right there. That BlackBerry's already been in the Android space one year. Do you guys think they've progressed at a rate that's worthy of their entry into the Android realm of things? I mean, I'm kind of semi-hopeful for what's been going down. I mean, I got, I'm still getting updates and things like that. I, I still feel maybe it could be a little bit more aggressive. What about you? Yeah, it could be way more aggressive, but yeah. All things in due time. In this podcast, I want to cover a few things across the board. We got forward Q&X news, new Priv beta update, as well as an extension of Shop Blackberry deals. So kind of some good stuff going on. I wanted to start out with those Shop Blackberry deals being extended for Passport and Priv owners out there. How do you guys feel about this? It it's almost a nice thing, right? Because these devices clearly were not moving at that higher price. Yet now, as we kind of take a look back at it, it seems almost like the inventory is just trying to kind of get cleared at this point of those Priv and old BB10 phones. Uh, is, is that something you guys think may be happening in terms of trying to clear out these inventory pieces? Or are we going to keep seeing these phones continue to be available as BlackBerry, you know, obviously has this Android effort going on? No, I would say yeah. this is... <laughs> Go ahead, please. That's gone. Once they're gone, they're gone, man. <laughs> yeah, I say it's totally let's clear out inventory and then uh, let our our makers do the phone makers do the business. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's funny, and this is this is a roundabout way of getting into a response but in our BBM groups and things like that and you always see that notification in the group when someone leaves and someone comes back in yeah. which seems kind of odd but Brandon I saw you recently did just that in our Berry Flow group what device yeah. are you on now I know you were you were working on getting that priv kind of in working order yeah so I've been busy that I got a box to send the priv back to to get repaired because uh, I don't know, I got one of the AT&T devices, so they couldn't just send me a, a new device and just swap it. They, I have to actually send it in so they can fix it. So, uh, and I'm thankful they did that, because I guess technically they didn't have to do anything. So, uh, uh, much respect to BlackBerry for helping me out like that. Uh, so, just today I got some time to back up, and I moved over to a Passport now, which is uh, it's a bit of a pain because a lot of apps I use on uh, Android, I back them up and I was hoping to use them with the Android runtime on my Passport, but it looks like I can't, uh, like they can't run. So it's a, it's a bit of a pain, but it's not going to be too bad. Hopefully I get it sent tomorrow and I can get my priv back in, in a week or something like that. Yeah, BB10. <laughs> Uh, if the runtime on BB10 was like reliable and didn't have that weird, you know, I can't uninstall Android app issue and some of the other latency that goes along with it, I think the password would be fine to go back to, right? You'd be able to back up those apps and you'd be good to go. But yeah. right now it just seems dilapidated and it's really tough to keep up with all that, especially on, you know, 
did you did you wipe the phone or you kind of just moved your stuff over and, and went you know kept I kind of just with it? my stuff over and and went uh, since they're gonna be fixing my device anyways and sending it back so they're gonna probably wipe it anyway so it doesn't really matter yeah. I'm not getting a new device so I'm not getting a refurb unit they're just gonna try and rectify the issue on my device and send it back what was the problem you're having again uh, so like the SIM card tray and the SD card tray, like a few times per day, the SIM card would just, it would say my SIM card was popped out or my SD uh, card popped out and they weren't actually physically out. And I think there is an issue with the, the slots that it just, uh, the device thought they were out when they weren't. So I, I sent the bug report in, they determined it was like a mechanical issue, like a physical issue that needs to be fixed. So, uh, mm -hmm. No software fix for that, unfortunately. I wish there was a, a software fix for Verizon's latency on this Marshmallow. Oh, wait, there is a software fix. And is it actually rolling out, this Marshmallow update for Priv people on Verizon, or is it still kind of just trickling out there right now? Well, there's a few people who ended up with it, but the problem with that is that it doesn't seem as though that it's actually like a widespread thing. Because Verizon has a tendency to go ahead and do these like trickle out rollouts, what are like soak tests for the network to be able to go ahead and test them out. They do it on other Android devices and stuff like that as well. Um, but it's kind of hard to say with this one if it was just a soak test or if it was, you know, maybe some guy just randomly ended up with the Verizon Marshmallow build on there. Um, at this point, I can't. I can't definitively say. Yeah, it's rolling out. That's why I kind of put like maybe rolling it out or maybe a soak test. But the thing is, is that um, when I posted it up on Crackberry, I didn't base that assumption off of that one sole individual. I checked with some other people, and basically they said that it's coming soon. So either way whether it be a small little soak test or whether it be you know just one random guy who just happened to get whitelisted on some build that he probably shouldn't have it's bound to be coming soon at some point and that I'm not talking like Blackberry 10.3.3 coming soon time I'm talking like it's actually going to be really rolled out soon <laughs> I was just going to make a joke about how we've we've almost gotten BlackBerry to a point where we assume now soon is like a month, yeah. but you know that's still not even accurate <laughs> at this point. You know, <laughs> speaking of new devices, I know Brandon's on an, a new old device. Alex, hmm. did you get anything in the mail recently? I did, and I haven't done anything with it, but I have a nice Galaxy S7 Edge to sell if anyone wants to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> What a coincidence. Your yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, do you want to trade it, Alex? <laughs> I, for a priv? Yeah. I just traded a priv for this, so why would I do that? <laughs> then trade the priv again for another yeah. one. Yeah. No, Maybe I. Nostalgic. Yeah. You know, that makes absolutely so much sense, so let's if, do it. If I'm no down. One... If no one watching knows what we're talking about, if you check out our after show from last week, Alex and I went in on how we exploited a, a loophole, basically, with AT&T. Which does not exist anymore, the... by the way. I yeah. tried yesterday for the rest of my family members, and it did not work. 
Yeah. (laughs) Notwithstanding, it did work for a period, right? So what we ended up doing with our defective AT&T privs was actually swapping them. So I currently am am also running an S7 Edge, of course, running the BlackBerry suite of software and things because it would be sacrilegious not to on this podcast. So I don't want to end up like Alex in the comments getting trolled for for weeks on end. (laughs) Although, you know, Blaze trolls me enough as is, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's one of those things where it's an interesting time for BlackBerry because as I'm on an S7 Edge, Scott, Blaze are on DTEK60s. So, Scott, please tell us, inform us a little bit, and maybe, Blaze, if you have some follow-up thoughts on just how the DTEK60 is for you guys because I know a lot of people are kind of on the fence with it. You know, if I were to go try to buy an S7 Edge or go try to buy, you know, an Alex type pixel or something, it cost me just an arm and a leg to get ultimately something I may not appreciate to its fullest extent, right? But with the the, the DTEK 60, it's such a nice price point. How do you guys feel? How are you guys adjusting? Uh, well, if anyone want, cares to know exactly why I went uh, DTEK 60 device over the other devices, feel free to swing by BlackBerryCentral.com, read my post on the whole thought process went down it. Uh, first off of the gate, the weight is awesome. This actual device weight is like, for me personally, perfect. That's exactly what I expect out of a device. Lightning fast, like Blaze has said in the past. Uh, I've been shooting some pictures, especially today, and camera quality is actually impressive compared to the privs, and notwithstanding the front facing, which was absolutely horrible there. Um, so far, no real complaints. The speaker on, as I was telling you guys before, is super loud. Probably the best speaker set so far, I'm willing to say, on a BlackBerry device. Only complaint I got so far is that it takes me a couple tries on the fingerprint sensor to uh, get it unlocked. So I don't know if that's just not having it set up uh, properly or what, but that's about it. So I'm gonna keep uh, keep trying it and throw up some thoughts later, maybe midweek uh, on BlackBerry Central. But yeah, overall, I'm, I'm happy with my purchase. Please, please say. I covered the majority of it last week, but just to reiterate, I mean, everything that you said is pretty much on par with how I feel about it as well. Um, one trick with the uh, the fingerprint sensor is that if you do find that the accuracy is a little bit off, you can always con- just continue to add more fingerprints to it, which realistically kind of like increases oh. the accuracy to a certain uh, point. For the same finger? Uh, yeah, for the same okay. finger, basically. Interesting. The, yeah, the reasoning behind it, of course, is that you know it doesn't necessarily always read like you're every time that you pick up your device, you're not putting your finger in the exact same spot, yeah. right? Yeah. So it only it only comes close to it. Um, that was one trick that I found with the accuracy, but even then, the I haven't personally found that the accuracy is horribly off. It's just like y- you basically have to have it the way that you set it. Um, and the, way you, and the way you use it as well, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things where you, you kind of have to keep the exact same pattern. Otherwise, it just doesn't read it really right. Um, and I don't think that that actually speaks to the accuracy of the device. I think it just speaks to how an individual goes ahead and sets up their fingerprint, right? Like, you, you have to have it set up so that you're kind of like using the exact same pattern every single time in the way that you actually pick up your device and interact with it. Um, But other than that, I mean, everything Scott said is pretty much on par. Um, I agree. I mean, the the biggest question at this point that I've 
I've got so far about it is like if I'm a priv owner is it essentially worth upgrading to a DTAC 60 and that's the biggest question that the majority of people have I don't know if you come across that question as well Scott but for me I, I it it comes down to it that there's like no question about it if you genuinely don't need the keyboard on your priv then there's absolutely no reason as to why you shouldn't pick up a DTAC 60 if you're shopping for a new phone, right? And you want to stick with BlackBerry, of course. There's pretty much no reason because you get a better front-facing camera, you get a better overall system on chip, you get more RAM, you get all the exact same storage space. Well, actually, it's like, it's more storage space, isn't it? Because the, no. Both 32. Yeah. So you get the exact same storage space, but you have the additional SD card slot and all that shit. So that's all the exact same stuff. But you get that better front-facing camera, and the camera on the DTAC-60 is essentially this... I don't want to say it's the exact same because the software is slightly different, but you get the exact same quality. And like Scott said, arguably, the camera is better on the DTAC-60 depending on how you actually take pictures and stuff. That stuff's always arguable, like... I've taken some pictures on the DTAC 60 and matched them up with the Priv, and the Priv came out on top. I've taken some pictures with the Priv, and the DTAC 60 came out on top. So, you know, it's a toss up in that scenario, but I think they're on par enough that the majority of people will be satisfied with the quality of it overall. Um, other than that, I mean, yeah, I absolutely agree with Scott's assessment. It's just an all around good device. Yeah. But one, actually, one of the funny things I keep getting asked is whether or not it's like the new BlackBerry Z30, oddly enough. Yeah. Because a lot of guys, including myself, my favorite device out there was the Z30 up until now. But I'm ready and willing to say that this one is now taking it over. Yeah. It's That's reasonable, that too. It, it's that good. It, I mean, there's not, not many people out there making that comparison, at least not in my realm, but, you know. It's I definitely on par. Three or four times now. Yeah. Oh, is it? Is it? You know, the new Z30 per se, and I'm willing to say, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. It, you know, in the in the setup of the chronology here, right? We BlackBerry 10 launched with the Z10, and then had a successor, higher end, more powerful Z30, and now we're seeing very similar lineage with DTEC 50 and 60 and who knows what may come next. Please don't be the 70. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) The meat of the conversation today, gentlemen, as we cover the last week in news is about something we actually talked about last week in our after show as well. And we talked about really, you know, what BlackBerry can do to move QNX kind of up the rank, so to speak, to really start making some money out of it. Because IoT, security, all of that is so huge. And kind of right in the midst of that, BlackBerry signs their first software deal with an automaker, Ford, and this really expands BlackBerry and QNX's software and security to kind of the next level. Now, there's a little bit of kind of cross-speak between the fact that QNX was technically already inside of Ford's, right, with the Sync 3 system, but a lot of people need to understand the difference of how QNX was established in these vehicles versus what seems to be happening now with this type of deal where BlackBerry and Ford are working directly with one another. In the past, BlackBerry's QNX worked through Tier 1 suppliers, people like Sony and Pioneer, who then put their systems inside of these vehicles, and really 
again, QNX was like in the back of a lot of those arrangements, really just putting the underpinnings together. It was really the OEM and all the apps put on top of the platform that made it, you know, more unique. With this deal with Ford and BlackBerry, you see Ford really shifting into like a mobility company as well as an automaker and really focusing on that effort. We see them in San Francisco with Uber actually driving autonomous Ubers around already. So a lot of this is percolating toward this kind of Internet of Things and the autonomous drive capabilities that we know are out there, right? And BlackBerry's not the only one barking up that tree, right? Obviously, Apple's got their own endeavors in that. But I've just found it really interesting. I believe the royalty deals of old were like, you know, like under ten dollars a unit. So yeah, you have sixty million vehicles you're in, but the royalties off of them is is very small. So it doesn't add a lot to the bottom line. A deal like this, where BlackBerry has like designated people helping Ford out, building on what that next generation platform looks like for their vehicles, and then you know maybe Ford's autonomous software going in on top of that, it really expands potentially the you know the viability of what BlackBerry is doing in this sense in. You can you can imagine the difference of like a Dan Dodge deal, right? Back in the day where connected cars were not so big a thing versus like a John Chen deal now. And I'm sure uh, John Chen's working to get the right amount of money out of these types of deals so that it's something worth the investment of time and effort and, and the collaboration. What do you guys feel with this type of deal? Do you think it's something good for BlackBerry or do you feel like maybe it's a little bit uh, – past due, so to speak, that this is a deal they maybe should have tried to do years back as opposed to doing it right now. I think I think basically you're, you're, you're right in both respects there. They should have done it years ago, <laughs> but at the same time, it's a good deal to have come about now, especially now. Um, you know, realistically, they it probably wasn't even like a, a, a huge genuine thought on the on the radar for that point because autonomous cars and security in cars and networking in secure in cars and all that stuff wasn't wasn't necessarily a huge thing as what it is now and what it is projected to be in the future uh, but you know it, it signals right now as being something good and something that is obviously going to play out nice for them in the long run as long as they can start turning on some profit for it and you know hopefully Hopefully the the world becomes more accepting of the autonomous cars and at least the security that is needing to be implemented in those cars. Like we've talked about it before. I mean, we're that stuff is coming and that stuff is like not that far off down the road. But there's still a lot of r- rules and regulations and you know it, hurdles that have to be jumped over in order to be able to go ahead and reach that sort of future of the the connected car and the autonomous car on the road and stuff like that but in the long run i think it, it puts blackberry or at least qnx in a, in a good position to be able to go ahead and and if nothing else take it to other uh, mm. car right. manufacturers as well right because if you once uh, it's kind of like you know once you get your foot in the door and then you have have some some place to stand right because you can say well we already have a deal with Ford. Why can't we make this deal with you? You know what I mean? Right. And less paperwork, right? You just kind of copy and paste the names right. over, and, and you're good to go. <laughs> well, you say that as long as they don't have an exclusive deal, right? Yeah. Here's... They they confirmed that it's not an exclusive deal. Like I, mm-hmm. I was on the media, I was on the media call when they prior to the actual announcement, and they confirmed that it's not an exclusive deal. They are 
opening the doors to everybody who is willing to go ahead and discuss it with them for their own um, own personal needs on whatever you know system it is that they want to operate. So it's definitely not exclusive. Um, it's it's getting really exciting. I want to tell you guys a little anecdote here and, and parlay it into a conversation that started back in CES of this year. But if you look back at the lineage of some of these things, Toyota actually moved away from using Apple and Google in the infotainment space and actually is using Ford software as well. And there is a mounting mounting tension, I believe, between Silicon Valley giants in the, the auto industry. And I think there's going to be a lot of competition between whose software is controlling what in this next era of, of vehicles. I had a very interesting um, kind of a happening with with my buddy here. He actually had a Ford car, ironically enough. This was on sync, like an older, way older system of sync. The, the car is like a 2004. So it was not at that time running QNX. It was actually running Microsoft software. And that's part of the problem, right? Something with the car, computer, and the programming caused the engine basically to malfunction to a degree, right? It wouldn't rev. He would put the gas on, and it would basically idle and neutral. So the car computing program had to be reset and the software done up again. And it was four different recalls, all software-based. So we took the car in. We got it all fixed up. They, again, had to took hours out of his day, took him out of a car, had to pay to get towing. You see all the cost and expense put on top of this. As we look at what the things BlackBerry is doing in the vehicles now, right, and the, the generation of cars that we have, they're, they're acting as hotspots, right? And BlackBerry, as we know, already has an OTA capability. The fact that we had to spend all this money, right, to get the car and then the recall to get placed in and the software to be done, it's like this problem shouldn't be that you know, life affecting. It should be as quick as updating Instagram, you know? And in the future and where we're headed and what BlackBerry will be able to enable in a vehicle is just that, where that OTA update will come down to your car over Wi-Fi because it'll be a hotspot itself and the problem solves itself, right? They'll constantly be pushing patches and updates to the security of these vehicles. I have a uh, 2012 F-150 with the Microsoft Sync and it is absolute garbage. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely hate it. We just bought a 26, 2016 Ford Edge with MySync 3, and that is phenomenal. Logged into my home Wi-Fi, updated the system, just like you're saying, James. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's sweet. It's really slick. So me personally, I'm pretty excited to see this whole deal. Hopefully, they can you know, go and expand their bottom line with this. Like To me, they should be hauling in like 100 bucks per unit because these companies, Ford is charging you about $1,000 when you upgrade to, you know, the full suite of nav and, and everything, right? So 10% of that, that to me is not, not the, out of the realm of the impossible, especially if there's no middleman. So, yeah. I'm sure the price is set, though, based on the competition, right? I'm sure they don't just set yeah. $10 because they want to be nice guys and not make money, right? I'm pretty sure... Uh, maybe the competition is probably you know, $12, $13, right? And if they do $10, then it makes sense. But they have some value add to their software in terms of security. And I think uh, this, is, this is much bigger than what we see today. I think it's akin to what's happening with what happened with mobile devices, right? Where people eventually started using a bunch of different operating systems. So... GM and a bunch of these other auto manufacturers, they're building autonomous vehicles, but what people don't realize is that GM has actually bought Lyft, which is uh, a car sharing 
or kind of like an Uber competitor, right? Mm-hmm. And what I believe these automakers are going to eventually become is they're going to eventually become kind of taxi companies or or transportation providers. And if you think about it in one way, if BlackBerry can have a good relationship with them and kind of be at the beginning from there and continually grow with Ford and GM and some of these other companies, uh, then you know they could be that operating system in an autonomous vehicle and you know it it might be one of those things where uh, people might choose to use one type of vehicle one type of autonomous vehicle service because it has a certain operating system just like people choose to use certain phones because of an operating system right so that's that's really where I think this whole uh, software deal kind of long term down the line is probably going to lay the foundation for you know those things that we saw um, what's it called on uh, the astonishing tribe those kind of future mm. videos they showed us about people in cars being able to do use a whole bunch of different apps and stuff like that I believe that's kind of uh, this could be the foundation for some cool things like that in the future and it may be uh, it's an, maybe it might be you know don't want to get people too excited but maybe that might be a way that uh, we start seeing more of that software kind of user interface type of flashy stuff that we like to see um, in, from our mobile devices and stuff, but translated in the auto space. Totally. I think it's a great opportunity for BlackBerry to at least showcase the concepts they have. I mean, the Bentley, not the, excuse me, the Maserati that they pulled out a couple of years ago where the cameras and everything were were totally done up across the car. I mean, that stuff that is viable and needs to be put into testing. And it's these auto OEMs that are really going to be the ones pushing through kind of all the red tape and regulation to get these vehicles out there. It opens up an even larger logistical conversation as well about smart roads and how the infrastructure around all these smart and connected via, you know items comes together. That parlayed against the DDoS attack that happened, you know, the DDoS attack that happened against, uh, you know, exploiting these IoT devices really broadens the scope of what BlackBerry is doing. And I think John Chen really needs to capitalize on the time that we are in so that these are effective. We have just a couple more minutes here in the main show, guys. I want to talk about one of the biggest pain points with BlackBerry, and I think it's a message that needs to get across to everyone. You know, you go out, you look at DTEC 60 reviews, <clears throat> please, and uh, you know, you wonder where they are. And to to a large, large degree, <laughs> <laughs> he's publishing it soon, guys. He promises it is imminent, just like the DTEC 60 was two weeks ago. <laughs> but the conversation around does BlackBerry need to market devices like the DTEC 60? Do they need to put it in every tech blogger's hand? And the answer is ultimately no, you know. And I think that's a piece of the conversation. The fact that Scott went out to buy a DTEC 60 was because he put all the phones against one another and came out to a logical decision, which again you can read about. But a lot of people don't even know about the DTEC 60 to even make that that dissertation between them. You know, using a Samsung flagship to see you know what all the fuss is about, I kind of get and understand it a little bit more in terms of why this phone is a market-leading phone alongside the iPhone. And I just wish the marketing was there for DTEC 60 so that it could propel because as Blaze and Scott can speak on, the DTEC 60 is a fantastic device. Uh, Alex, why do you think BlackBerry's just chosen not to do any kind of real promotion aside from you know the generalities on social media? Do you think it's because they really want to solidify their focus is elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, if you... 
as weird as it is, like if they're pushing that they're not really a hardware company and they're focusing on software, and then all of a sudden you start seeing BlackBerry DTech 60 commercials on television, and you know, realistically, I wonder too what kind of margin they're even making from each phone sale. So maybe it really should be, you know, not them advertising it, but obviously the hardware manufacturer advertising it. Like they might not be making enough per phone for it to actually be sensible for them to be spending a lot of money on advertising. But realistically, I think it's just confusing to the end user. I mean, I, I look at family members and friends who look at BlackBerry and they're asking me like, so, you know, BlackBerry, they they don't sell hardware anymore. They're not a hardware company. And it's like, well, they are, but they aren't. I mean, like they, they have it, but they're like, yes, they're a software company. Like it's confusing and they're confused. So maybe the best way for them to stop the confusion is for them, you know, to not advertise. I know that doesn't sound overly sensible, but um, I... <laughs> It would be nice to see them advertise, but at the same time, it doesn't totally make sense for what they're actually trying to do. When Marty Beard posts on BlackBerry's yeah. site that this phone is comparable to a Pixel and an yeah. iPhone 7 Plus, I I fail to see yes, the it's... conviction behind the device being in market when it is so competitive. It is a great offering. It does have all the things we want in a smartphone. Blaze, can you touch on it a little bit? Is it really that they just don't want to burn any money? They're just kind of holding it all close to the chest? Or do you think they're trying not to confuse people? Because I don't think that's it, personally. I feel like no one knows about BlackBerry, so the fact that they switched software, it's like, I don't know that either, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to, the general, to the general out there. So what are your thoughts on it, Blaze? And we'll kind of do a roundtable here as we close out on that thought, why there is no marketing and whether it's a good thing or not. I don't know, man. I think it just comes down to the fact that they they don't really have any general interest to go ahead and do marketing because they number one they know that they're not a good marketing company. John Chen said that yeah. months ago. They're terrible at marketing, and they know that, right? So they're not going to go ahead and put the money towards it to be able to go ahead and bring someone in who could actually do a good job on it because part of that marketing is kind of essentially built in through a limited number of their fan base anyways. They're basically, if Scott was to go ahead and post something about the DTEC 60, positive about the DTEC 60 on like his social media, chances are that post that he makes is probably going to end up somewhere on like the Blackberry blog. Or ah, like so, so you're saying basically they've outsourced BBM, they've outsourced handsets, they've outsourced marketing, <laughs> yep. <laughs> They're taking the risk out of all of that and putting yeah. it elsewhere. And I think it's honestly a great move. Yeah. And Blaze sums it up perfectly there. The uh, the only problem that I have with it is that sustainability, yeah. Yeah, and you can't you can't do that for too long because then people just end up getting frustrated. But at the same time, I don't I don't think that they really care about that because they have the whole software side of the story to effectively go ahead and concentrate on, right? Like it's just one of those things. They you also need to consider that the, this is one of the, the few remaining devices that was essentially on their roadmap. You know what I mean? Like, they've completed their general roadmap at this point, and the QWERTY device, whatever that appears as, is still one of those debatable ones that was left on the roadmap, and, you know, its status is sort of like in flux I guess you could say at this point because they don't know who's going to be making it or whatever the scenario may be but if they're at the end of their roadmap and they haven't done any previous marketing why would they go ahead and do any yeah. marketing for this one yeah. right like, it's like if there's any device they're going to market they should have done it like crazy for the priv 
Yeah, that they was should like, have done it for yeah. Groove. They should they, kind of did a little bit to Blackberry Sam. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. Yes. done it. They should have done it for the DTEC 50 as well, even though the, the DTEC 50 wasn't necessarily a standout device. And they came out yeah. and they said, oh, that's a fleet device. But still, even fleet devices need marketing. I just generally don't think that they they care about marketing anymore. They know that they're not good at it. They're at the end of their roadmap. They have a built-in customer base that they're they've you know held on to, who is helping them do the marketing, in some respects. So why put more money into it but, if they know that the return isn't necessarily there to begin with? So because a big part of marketing isn't just to sell phones or software; it's to build a brand. And I feel like the one thing that's been dwindling over the years with BlackBerry is the brand. They used to have such a great brand. You think of BlackBerry, everyone would know them, and everyone. It this feeling came to mind when you thought of BlackBerry. Now it's this really, you know, as average person, what they think about BlackBerry, and I don't like their their gut reaction. Probably is not positive. The only way to fix that is through marketing. But if they're focusing on, you know, enterprise anyway, it's never going to be sexy. It's never going to be that brand that once was. So I guess is that fine? Is is that going to be okay for BlackBerry to do? Um, yeah, let's just let's just stop the podcast at this point, right, guys? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's not sexy. Alex is totally correct, and I honestly feel like we're in the uh, the morning period, not the like daytime morning, <laughs> but like the it's it's dead morning. I think like. They kind of need to let things even out, settle down. We did kill hardware, and then they can reintroduce their brand yeah. and reposition it. I think the marketing right now would be a little bit of not miscommunication, but cross-communication. And at least now we're only hearing one thing verbally while their actions say something else, which is a whole other kind of <laughs> paradoxical situation. But at least the message has stayed true. Software, software, software. Let's jump on the after show, guys. We'll end this for t- just to Just to wrap that portion up it would also be confusing to basically with the information that is available and is out there it would be confusing for blackberry to say yeah check out our new device when a lot of people know that it's not generally a blackberry device anyways like how do you how how if you're spending if blackberry is spending money on marketing how do they compete with like t-mobile who has a windows version of the exact same phone. Like, how do you explain that to the customer? You know what I mean? Like, how can you put that across? Because chances are, they're going to come across it somewhere along the line. If you're genuinely thinking, if you're someone who is at least half-assedly interested in technology, and you're considering picking up a $600 phone or whatever along the lines, right? You're going to come across these sort of things. Like, why does T-Mobile have a Windows version of the exact same phone? Oh. The Windows version has virtual reality and it has a whole headset. Can I get that on this one? It's like <laughs> and and it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, and like that would be a confusing message to actually go ahead and market. So I don't know, man. It's one of them things. I I just generally don't think that they have an interest in actually doing any any sort of broad appeal marketing at this point. Just uh, one point for me is like. They do it so bad that even the times when they could actually do a little thing to help out. So DTEK 60, right? Crip. What's missing? The Blackberry at the top. Yeah. It's not there. You know, so if I'm out and out and about and someone just sees that, they're like, oh, what the hell is that? Now that could go both ways though. It could be like, oh, it's a Blackberry. Or someone could look at it and see the Blackberry logo. I'm like, oh, that's a crappy Blackberry. So 
I kind of wished it was there so that people could see that this is actually a BlackBerry device and they're still kicking around and just that little subtle marketing that way. But we'll see if, if it actually helps out. Now it does have the logo on the back that we talked about, but who looks at the back of phones anyway? Yeah, the back of your phone is ridiculous. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> Alex, let's jump to intermission. Let's jump on our after show. We actually got like too many comments this time around oh, to get them all in the main show. We got about like 17 different comments on our after show that we posted on our private BBM channel for the patrons. So let's end this and we'll jump into those. A lot of really good questions. So it'll be a, a good after show for us to discuss. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about that and we'll talk a little bit about... Uh, me cheating on BlackBerry with Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Later, guys. Yes. Later.